Welcome to the Bleeding Blue and Yellow podcast, a podcast providing in-depth analysis and coverage of your favorite Milwaukee Brewers by Peter and David Go. Welcome to the Bleeding Blue and Yellow podcast. I'm your host, David Goh, here doing a solo episode today. Unfortunately, Peter was unable to join us for this week's episode, uh, but I'm still really excited. We're going to be previewing some of the rest of the offense. Last week, we looked at the outfield, talked about the addition of Jackie Bradley Jr., how that whole puzzle might kind of fit together with, with Yelich and left, of course, but then Kane coming off the, uh, the opt-out. Uh, uh, Jackie Bradley Jr., pretty good year in Boston last year, but obviously El Garcia definitely underwhelmed in his first year in Milwaukee, so will be interesting to see. And we talked about will there be enough at-bats to go around, certain things of that nature, which I definitely think there are. And if you haven't checked out that episode, be sure to go back and listen to last week's. Uh, I think it's also important for maybe some context as we talk about some of the catchers and infielders for this year. A few of them could factor into the outfield equation too also. Um, and, and a lot of the guys are are competing against each other uh, for the, the last spots at the end of the bench, whether it be Vogelbach, Robertson against Billy McKinney and and... Derek Fisher. Um, so we've got the Brewers have a lot of guys in competition right now at various positions, uh, and we'll we'll get to that later. But first, we are going to talk about today's random player of the day. Uh, no trivia question today, unfortunately. Um, nobody here to answer the question, or at least try to answer the question. Peter doesn't seem too good at them. Um, but uh, today's random player of the day is Nori Aoki. Uh, a little bit more of a recent name. Played for the Brewers from 2012 and 2013. Uh, actually, when I was looking at his stats, I, I actually thought that he had played with them longer. Didn't realize there's only two years. Uh, but he came over from Japan in 2012 and finished fifth in the Rookie of the Year voting. So Aoki Yamand right field for his two years with the Brewers. Braun was in left at the time. Chris Davis ended up coming up in 2014. 2013 was earned a starting position in 2014. So they decided to trade Aoki to the Royals. They got relief pitcher Will Smith in return for Aoki. Will Smith was actually then later dealt to the Giants and that brought them back um, Phil Bickford and Bickford's competing for a bullpen spot actually this year. So even though that trade was a number of years ago, still have Bickford uh, on the 40-man roster. Probably won't see him to open the year, but could see him later on in the year. He's got a, a pretty good arm uh, and maybe with a little bit more seasoning would become a better option in the bullpen. Uh, but Aoki in his two years, I think he had a pretty underrated run with the Brewers. Hit 288 with a 355 on base. 109 OPS plus, so 9% above league average there according to baseball reference. And then hit 286 with a 356 on base percentage in 2013. Slugging was a little bit down, but still a solid hitter. And he had actually a few more walks and strikeouts in his tenure with the Brewers, which is very, very good. Uh, always remember him for being very good on cutting back on strikeouts and could hit lefties and righties both pretty well. Uh, ended up having another few years at the major league level. Uh, played with the Royals in 2014 when they lost in the World Series to the Giants and then actually joined the Giants via free agency the following year. So uh, unfortunately, Royals and Giants just in the wrong order. Um, didn't end up winning a World Series. 
uh, finished out his major league career with the Mariners and then um, toiled a little bit in 2017 around with the Astros, Blue Jays, and Mets. Uh, but in total, major league career, six years, 285 average, 350 on base percentage, 98 stolen bases. And he also only had 258 strikeouts compared to 234 walks, which is uh, excellent uh, when you look at, especially the way the game is today with the high strikeouts. Uh, Aoki now still plays in Japan, actually, and I'm not 100% sure on this, but I want to say that he is actually their all-time batting average leader. He has a career 325 average in Japan, 403 on base percentage, uh, 1,700 hits. Had he stayed in Japan the whole year, he... I think would have an outside chance at breaking the all-time hits record. It would it'd be borderline, but he still is a very good player. Last year, hit 317, 424 on base, slugged 557, which was, um, I believe, his career high. So Aoki, very good player, uh, still playing in Japan at 39 years old now, uh, but he's today's random player of the day, former Brewer Nori Aoki. Also just wanted to uh, note on one thing, um, thanks to all our listeners, and we've actually had listeners now of our podcast from 25 different states, including uh, eight different countries, I think it is. Um, we have had listeners from England, Scotland, Ireland, and the Isle of Man, uh, which, to be honest, I didn't know what that was uh, until I looked it up. It is a small island between Ireland and England, so uh, if you are the listener in the Isle of Man, uh, DM us. And we'd love to get in contact with you since I was not aware that the Isle of Man existed before recently when I was looking at our uh, podcast statistics. We've also had some listeners from the Philippines, Spain, Germany, and the Netherlands. So thank you to all our international listeners, specifically um, all our, our local Milwaukee, Wisconsin listeners also. But I think it's kind of cool, um, even in our pretty small podcast, to have an international reach across a few different continents even. Uh, also a, a spring training update. Um, to be honest, I'm not really sure what their record is at this point, uh, but a few takeaways from some of the players that have been playing better lately. Garrett Mitchell, I think we mentioned him in our last podcast, but he has looked really good. Um, he got the start last week on Thursday, um, and that's pretty rare for a guy that was drafted last year. So Garrett Mitchell has continued to turn heads Probably when the minor league season opens up, we'll start in high A if I had to guess. And we could even see him as soon as next year at the big league level. Of course, we'll we'll have to see. And it also might coincide with Lorenzo Cain because Cain's contract expires after next year. Will he still be healthy enough and, um, and athletic enough to play center field at age 37 next year? Uh, 36, 37. Um, you'd hope so, but we don't know for sure, of course. So... Um, Garrett Mitchell's, I, I wouldn't say he's knocking on the door, but he's definitely making some progress, turning some heads in Arizona. Aaron Ashby has also looked really good. Uh, his changeup's looking good. His curveball is exceptional. Slider, curveball, however you want to describe it. It's a little bit more of a, a vertical slider, so a little bit tighter, but gets a lot of downward action on it. And then even his fastball is pretty good. Gets good tail on it, good run. Uh, he, I think, will probably be in the bullpen in the major leagues at some point this year. He's really impressed at at the lower levels of the minor leagues, at the alternate training site, and now in spring training. And Ethan Small is also looking really good. He was the Brewers' first-round pick in 2019, left-handed pitcher out of Mississippi State. Small, I, I don't think he probably will make the majors at any point this year, but 
we could easily see him next year at some point. I think that long term, he's probably about a three or a four starter, uh, which uh, looks to be a pretty consistent starter, innings eater, um, left-handed pitcher with, he got a very good changeup, uh, and Smalls looked really good. Of course, in short outings, they don't have anybody going five, six innings at this point of spring training, and I don't think Small will this year, but Small could could maybe make an impact down, down the stretch uh, if they are fighting for a playoff spot and he's performing well at the upper levels of the minor leagues. I think it's possible. Uh, but then we're going to move on now to our season preview of the rest of the position players. So we're going to talk about the catchers and the infielders today. Last week, we talked about the outfielders. I mentioned that at the beginning of the podcast. And actually, at the end of this episode today, I will give a projection for some of the position players who might make the roster, who I think will round out the position player side of the roster. 26 guys will break camp with the Brewers. Probably will include 13 pitchers and 13 position players. So uh, a little bit of competition, more than usual, I would say. Um, and we'll we'll talk about that some here now. Uh, but some of the locks at catcher. Omar Narvaez was a candidate to be non-tendered in the offseason. Brewers decided to retain him. Took a little bit of a, a decrease in the salary that he was expected to get. Uh, probably in order to avoid being non-tendered. Narvaez, of course, coming off that really bad year in 2020 with the Brewers first year he actually did see some uh, some make some strides in his defensive game so uh, that was very encouraging I would say uh, since he's been one of the worst defensive catchers over the past few years but last year still hit 176 and regardless of what else you do 176 is not really going to be good enough to be an everyday catcher Fangraph still actually had him at 0.5 wins above replacement in 40 games. So they're apparently really high on his defense. He doesn't really pass the eye test. Uh, like when I watch Omar Narvaez, he's not a fun catcher to watch. I don't think he looks like a good defender, but apparently he's now been much better at stealing strikes uh, as far as his framing or pitch presentation, which has been a big aspect of Major League Baseball over the past couple of years. Uh, so Narvaez probably will get most of the starts behind the plate, and I think that there is reason to believe he will have, a, at least to some degree, a bounce back year. In 2019, he hit 278, 353 on base percentage, slugged 460. 2018, 275, 366 on base percentage. 2017, 373 on base percentage. He's got the bat that he's always really produced with, and it was just really last year that his, his strikeout rate climbed by about 12%. His walk rate was pretty good, but just couldn't seem to put the ball, um, or he, he just couldn't really put the ball in play and make quality contact. And that was the big issue that plagued him. But he, if he can figure that out or even just bounce back, he said he was feeling much better, much more confident going into this year than even he was last year coming off a few good years. So hopefully Narvaez is able to figure things out back again and become a, a solid everyday catcher for the Brewers in 2021. Manny Pena is the other guy who will for sure make the team. Pena last year had his season cut short with a knee injury. I think it was meniscus tear. So he only played 15 games. It was pretty good in the 15 games he played. Usual quality defense that he provided the Brewers with. Had a, a 743 OPS, um, which was a little bit above league average, which is very good for a backup catcher. I think the tandem of Narvaez and Pena is 
underrated. I think it's at least league average, if not maybe even a little better. Um, of course, if both of them perform to the level that they're capable of, then that is a very good tandem. Uh, and they didn't both do that last year, but I think it's reasonable to expect that we will see at least a better production from the catching position in 2021. And then Jacob Nottingham also could get some playing time. Nottingham is out of minor league options. That, that really affects the amount of playing time Nottingham could get because he has to stay at the major league level for the Brewers to keep him. If they do try to option him down to AAA, uh, they would risk losing him on waivers, and that goes same for optioning to the alternate training site. He did actually play pretty well last year, 20 games, and although he didn't really hit much, 188 average, 278 on base, uh, he did have a, have a 458 slugging, which was overall positive, but he got rave reviews from the pitching staff in terms of his game calling, the way he handled pitchers, his receiving, and he actually had the lowest catcher's ERA in all of baseball with a minimum of about 15 games played, 15 games started. Uh, so what what that would mean is that pitchers had the lowest ERA in the league when he was catching compared to any other catcher around the league. So of course that is a, a good statistic. I don't know how much you can make of it. Out of 15 games, Brewers had a very good pitching staff already. So I'm not sure if you can necessarily definitively say that he made a difference, but he has really made significant strides over the past couple of years, especially with his defense. Uh, but I don't know if that's enough to earn a spot on the ball club. If not, maybe they will choose to try to trade him for a small return towards the end of spring training. He's also coming off thumb surgery. So he's, I think, supposed to be um, kind of 100% now uh, coming up soon and... I think he's borderline. He might start the year out on the injured list, partly so they can keep him because he can go on the injured list even though he can't get optioned down. And then the other catchers they have on the 40-man roster right now, Luke Maley. Maley, a few years ago, had about an, an average, like major league average season in Toronto. That was back in 2018, but hasn't really produced much since, since then. Uh, he's with Pittsburgh last year and barely played. He does have a minor league option remaining, so almost for sure he will be optioned to AAA uh, heading into the regular season or optioned to the alternate training site. Um, but Maley could see a little bit of playing time, especially if the Brewers do not retain Nottingham. And then one of the Brewers' top prospects, Mario Feliciano, is also now on the 40-man roster. He won the AA Southern League MVP a couple years ago and looked pretty good at the alternate training site. I'd be a little bit surprised if we saw him in 2021, uh, but I think he will factor into their plans probably next year even, especially with Manny Pena entering free agency after this season. Going over now towards the infield, uh, Brewers made a couple of additions and a couple of changes in the infield as far as positions. Keston Hira has uh, been widely documented that he is moving over to first base to make room for Colton Wong at second base. Hira uh, underperformed last year also, but was his, his sophomore slump season, I guess. That's kind of a, a common term that usually rookies will play well because pitchers don't have a lot of information on them come into the league and hit right away and then pitchers kind of figure them out the next year that's definitely what we saw last year uh, he hit 212 297 on base 34.6 percent strikeout rate i think his strikeout total led the national league and was barely above replacement level so that was a little bit of a concern wasn't hitting the ball quite as hard but also a shortened season kind of unusual circumstances and his typical i guess sophomore slump that you 
I don't know if you say you'd expect it for most players, but certainly not uncommon to see. And Hira probably is one of those guys uh, will who will be able to bounce back. Uh, my projection systems on Keston Hira have him hitting 263 with a 477 slugging percentage, 28 home runs. So pretty good production from Hira. I think it's reasonable to expect something in that range, somewhere in between the last two seasons. We saw him burst onto the scene in 2019 and then take a big step back last year. I think somewhere in the middle is where Keston Hira's true talent lies. And as far as his defense, uh, that's definitely a question mark going into uh, 2021. But Hira has pretty good range. He's got pretty good hands. Very good considering he's a first baseman. And then uh, on top of that, uh, he has been working this whole, he's been working all spring training to get acclimated to first base, playing in a lot of games. So you have to think that that will help a lot. Uh, I, I think that it's reasonable to expect that Hira will be at least close to average as a major league first baseman defensively this year. And he has the bat to produce there. So I think that it's a good combination, especially with Wong, who can maybe make up a little bit for Hero's lack of lack of uh, awareness at first base. Wong is an excellent defender. They brought him in this offseason. Uh, he was probably their most notable acquisition, certainly until the Jackie Bradley Jr. signing. Uh, Colton Wong was worth 1.3 wins above replacement last year with the Cardinals and almost four wins above replacement the year before. Won a gold glove uh, each of the last two years with St. Louis. And he hit 285 in 2019. That was his best year, 361 on base, but almost matched that production. Power numbers were down last year, only hit one home run for all of last season. I think that uh, playing his home games now at American Family Field, very hitter-friendly park, especially for left-handed hitters. I think that that will... Uh, boost his power numbers at least to some degree uh, so I think we will probably see an uptick in his power production and overall hitting because of that so Colton Wong will will slot in very nicely in the Brewers lineup probably either hitting first or second uh, more of a table setting type player type hitter in the lineup and I have been projected to I only have him I haven't projected to hit only eight home runs, but 345 on base percentage would be a very nice asset at the top of the lineup. Moving over towards shortstop, it seems like Luis Urias will be the everyday player at shortstop. Orlando Arcia has manned that position for a while, but he really was unable to get going uh, over the last five years now in a Brewers uniform offensively. Probably will still make the ball club in some capacity. Seems like more of a backup infield role. He's been working out at third. Some, of course, can play shortstop pretty well. Maybe we'll get a little bit of playing time at second also. I know what last year they talked about maybe trying to have him be a super utility guy, maybe place him in the outfield. I don't know how likely that is, though. Luis Urias coming off a little bit of a disappointing year. 308 on base percentage. It wasn't too bad, but 239 average, 294 slugging both very poor marks, was kind of unable to get going, had a hand injury late in the winter before the shutdown, and then uh, wasn't able to get into any spring training games, and then tested positive for COVID-19 around the, the start of the year, so got off to a slow start because of that. He had a couple good games when he got called up, but that was about it. But he's he's also uh, formerly one of the top prospects in all of baseball. Even a scouting report from Fangrass in 2019 has him as a, a 65 hit tool, and he's got an excellent eye. So uh, potentially in his prime, he could be about a 2.8, 2.90, 300 hitter with on-base percentages reaching around 400. 
I think that that's something that could be in Luis Urias' future. Don't think we'll see that this year. My projection system has him for a 243 average, 326 on base percentage only. But I think of all the projections, he's one of the most likely to overperform those, to, over, to exceed them, especially given his young age and his ability to, um, to maybe have some normal circumstances finally. Uh, like we mentioned, Orlando Arcia will probably factor in to the shortstop position, the, the puzzle at shortstop. Also, I haven't projected to hit 246 uh, in that 240s range, but 303 on base, not very good. Uh, Arcia hasn't really produced much with the bat. He was almost league average last year. He hit 260, actually, which was the second highest of his career. I just don't see Arcia being a, a capable everyday shortstop at this point. Uh, could play some third this year. I really hope he's not our everyday shortstop, or excuse me, I hope he's not our everyday third baseman. And then they brought in Travis Shaw on a minor league deal, and he so far is impressed in spring training, has had excellent at-bats, he's been getting a lot of playing time, hit a couple home runs over the last week. Uh, I have been projected to hit 230, 324 on base, 420 slugging. Uh, but he's another guy like Urias that I could see overperforming or, or exceeding those expectations. He was about a league average hitter last year in Toronto, coming off that horrible year with Milwaukee uh, with when he really fell off a table. He basically explained it that he tried way too hard to hit fly balls and then ended up popping everything up, striking out a lot. And once he got back to that line drive approach, he was able to be a much more successful hitter um, as a result. Uh, so Shaw, I think, will probably make the team. Daniel Robertson is another backup that they brought in also out of options. He, not guaranteed contract, but uh, I, I think he probably will make the team. Got good versatility. Was a pretty good player a few years ago with Tampa Bay. Uh, I've been projected for a 331 on base, 352 slugging. Um, I, th I think he probably, yeah, will make the team. Similar role to Arcia. Uh, maybe the pair of backup middle infielders there. Um, and and I, there's, to be honest, there's not really much to say. Maybe a little bit of upside to Robertson if he did get full playing time or, or everyday playing time, should Urias or Shaw get hurt. Uh, I think that maybe there's some untapped potential still in Robertson, or maybe he can regain some of his, his form he had in 2018. Uh, but other than that, probably more of a backup option at this point. And then our favorite, Dan Vogelbach. Vogelbach, I have projected it 216, 337 on base, 421 slugging. He also is out of options, and he's very limited defensively. I I don't know if he's going to make the team. He's got a non-guaranteed deal. Here is now at first base. Um, they could have Shaw play some first base if they need to. Uh, of course, more of a third baseman really at this point. Um, but Vogelbach, very limited, no DH this year, really hurt his chances especially with JBJ now on. I don't know that there's room for Daniel Vogelbach on the roster, unfortunately. Um, but it would be nice to have a bat off the bench like Vogelbach. Uh, so looking like the infield picture is Hira Wong, Urias, and Shaw as the, the projected starters at this point. I think it's a pretty good infield, very good defensively. Hira we're not really sure about, but Wong is a gold glove caliber infielder. Urias is... I think at least league average at shortstop. Shaw's above average at third base. Arcia and Robertson are both pretty good defensive infielders. Uh, so that's something they do bring. Maybe late game replacements uh, if they do want to shift Shaw over to first and take Hira out of the game. 
I think that's a, a possibility. Um, and I think those are the six infielders that are going to make the team. It is possible one of them gets hurt or maybe Vogelbach hits really well in spring training and they decide to go with Vogelbach over Robertson or over Shaw. However, I don't think that that is super likely. I think Narvaez and Pena will make the team, but not Nottingham. Um, I should say, I'm very sure that Narvaez and Pena will make the team, and Nottingham, I, I don't think he will, unfortunately. Um, but they could place him on the injured list, maybe, and uh, kind of uh, kind of keep him there until he's really ready. And then maybe if Narvaez or Pena gets injured, bring back Nottingham. And then in the outfield, Yelich, Kane, Bradley, Garcia, of course, we talked about that last year. And then there's there's one last bench spot. So this is this one could go to Nottingham, could go to Vogelbach, or Billy McKinney or Derek Fisher, or maybe even Tyrone Taylor. Uh, I think that this last spot is going to go to Billy McKinney, outfielder. We talked about him a little bit last week. I think he's the best option um, to get that last outfield spot. But usually that last bench spot is is very fluid. It'll change throughout the year. So, um, so that that would be my projection for the Brewers offense this year the position players that will make the team at least on opening day of course that always changes uh, but thanks for tuning into um, today's podcast our coverage of the Brewers catchers and infielders uh, be sure to continue to listen as we get ready for the season we've had we've got a lot of interesting content coming up and i think the two more interesting aspects of the team are what we're going to feature next week uh starting rotation next week and then and then the bullpen the following week uh, before opening day actually coming the week after uh, and so we will preview the team as a whole then probably a, looking at a bonus episode right on opening day so you're ready to uh, to hear exactly what the brewers roster looks like what the team may look like this year um, and these are just a little bit more in-depth positional analysis. So starting rotation should be exciting. Woodruff and Burns, of course, at the top. But Josh Lindblom, I think, is a very interesting arm. Hauser figured some things out with the sinker. Of course, had a bad year, but I think there's reason for optimism with Hauser. Brett Anderson, solid innings eater at the back end of the rotation. Then is Eric Lauer uh, a reasonable, is it reasonable to expect Eric Lauer to uh, perform this year? coming off a very bad year hasn't looked good in spring so far so these are all questions that we're going to answer and is Freddie Peralta actually a starting pitcher another question that has to be answered so we're all going to talk about that next week um, and we hope that you will listen and will tune in but thanks for listening today and make sure to go to our blog at bleedingblueandyellow.wordpress.com an article that I recently published on Jackie Bradley Jr. taking a look at some of the questions surrounding the signing and uh, how we might fit in with the roster so uh, be sure to check out that. And thanks again for listening and go Brewers. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Bleeding Blue and Yellow podcast. We would greatly appreciate if you would rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast. We'd also love if you would be willing to support our podcast financially. And you can find the link to do that down below in the episode notes through the Anchor app. Be sure to check out our blog at bleedingblueandyellow.wordpress.com where you can find great articles and content there. And interact with us at Brewers Podcast on Twitter or Instagram. Thanks for listening and see you next week.